I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. The amount of times I told him to be careful on that bloody bike. Like, honestly, I used to say it all the time and it makes me mad to be like, your carelessness has cost you so much and our relationship so much. And... You know, it's one thing to blindside yourself, but I'd blindside a Rachel as well. This is Death, Sex, and Money. Couldn't you just stay dead? The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. Now here's one for the lovers. And need to talk about more. We might be able to make a little moolah with it. Really? That sounds pretty good. I'm in a sale. When I talked to Rachel Swiddenbank and Hiroki Takeuchi, they were sitting in their apartment in London. I was in California. Okay, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I this is working okay. fine, yeah. Yeah, this is great. Rachel and Hiroki moved into this place last summer, just before they got married in August. Do you have wedding pictures in your apartment? Yeah, we have one, up, have on, one, the yeah, one up on the wall. The two of us stood together um, outside the, the reception it's weird, like, I'm looking at it now and it's it does feel weird. I, what I actually found diff- more difficult was the video. We got video made. That I find, even now watching it, I find it really difficult. Before their wedding, Rachel and Hiroki had been together for 11 years. They met as college students at Oxford. Literally, like, just flown out of my parents' nest and then straight into Hiroki's arms, basically, is what happened. They dated for 10 years before they got married. Rachel was 29 and Hiroki was 30. Rachel's best friend um, sort of pulled me aside and, and was just like, yeah, you, you, need, to, you need to sort yourself out. Put a and, ring on it. <laughs> exactly, and, and, and make it happen. Um, I've never really been one who's obsessed about marriage, but I didn't realise how important it was uh, before something like what's happened. Three weeks after their wedding, Rachel got a phone call from Hiroki's younger brother. And he said... Um, you need to get to the hospital. Hiroki's been in a cycling accident. Um, and then when I got to the hospital, being able to say, I'm Hiroki's wife and you need to tell me what's happening is very different from saying, I'm Hiroki's girlfriend, even though there's no difference in our feelings towards each other or the history of what we had. Can you tell me what you remember of the day of your accident? I kind of, it's like I remember the moment of the accident itself, and then I remember a lot about what happened afterwards, but then I don't really remember like much about the lead up to the accident. You know, like I can't, I couldn't tell you like, uh, I, I, which is a bit different from what Rachel remembers. Like Rachel seems to remember like what she was wearing and what I was wearing. 
It's like I remember getting up in the morning. I remember uh, we had this like really long hug in the hallway uh, just before I left. Um, I left to go to an early gym, an early morning gym class. Um, I remember on the way to the class, it was a, a pink sky, and I remember saying there was like a riddle when I was younger that it's red sky at night, shepherd's delight, red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. And I remember thinking, I wonder what the warning is. So I, I was actually out cycling with my brother. Um, I just remember like this sort of moment where I was kind of like had lost concentration, looked up, and there was this car right in front of me, and I. You know, I don't actually remember the impact itself. Like, I think I sort of passed out, but I, I remember sort of waking up and looking up, and there was these sort of police officers uh, over the top of me, sort of checking I was okay. Um, and clearly, I wasn't okay because uh, I've got this huge gash on my uh, neck, and I'm apparently bleeding quite a lot out of it. Um, and my brother was sort of over the top of me as well, sort of telling me that it was going to be okay. And he called me and in that moment, I'd just cut out the shower. I was actually butt naked in the women's changing rooms and literally collapsed to the floor screaming. <laughs> and all these girls just run around me and some of them run upstairs to get a taxi for me. And uh, I was making a bit of a scene, to be honest. Um, and then when I got to the hospital and they took me and there were just people running out of these doors and above the doors, it said major trauma. And I was like, major trauma, it sounds so serious. And then eventually, I think it must have been two hours, um, they let me in to see him. Uh, and yeah, I remember him looking up at me. He had like a big swollen face and like his head was in this red, like cushioned thing. And he just looked at me and he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've ruined everything. That was your first impulse of what to tell her to apologize? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I think it's sort of, uh, sort of deep down, I kind of knew that this was a, a really really impactful incident right it was like I kind I couldn't feel my legs I, I kind of knew that there, there wasn't I, you know part of me wasn't even sure I was gonna survive then a female surgeon came over to us and um she was like right I'm gonna take Hiroki for the operation now um Hiroki's had a really serious like fracture of his um back um and you're never gonna walk again she said um, that prior to surgery yeah she said that prior to surgery mm, i remember that yeah. and i remember then we were we were talking about we just moved into our apartment and we were like god we're, we're a bit crazy actually we we were like oh it's good because there's a ramp at the back entrance and a lift so practically we'll still be able to live there and um don't worry, I'll go and call the kitchen guys and put the kitchen on hold so we don't get it built before we know what your needs are. I don't know, but it's kind of our minds went sh straight to like the small mundane practicalities of what it was going to be like to live in a wheelchair. And yeah. I think it was like our, our way of coping in a way. Yeah, it's I, like, think, I think it was. To sort of try and make sense of the situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a very odd reaction. Yeah. But, yeah. And, then you went, and then you went into surgery and... Uh, and so I made a group on WhatsApp and messaged all of our friends to say, oh, it's really sad this has happened. Um, Hiroki's in surgery. Like, he's never going to walk again, but he is going to survive. So, like, don't worry too much. That first surgery to stabilize Hiroki's spine was just the start. He damaged his sixth thoracic vertebrae right in the middle of his back. He lost all sensation from there down. 
Hiroki had to relearn how to move, and he had to build strength in his upper body. Rachel was there for it all, documenting each milestone on her phone. For the first five weeks in the hospital, she even slept on a mattress on the floor beside Hiroki's bed. She knew how important it was for Hiroki to have her there. One of the things he said to me a lot in the early days of um, the accident were like, are you going to leave me? But there's nothing from the accident that would ever make me want to leave. Rachel focused on staying positive for both of them. So the hardest things were to deal with were um, obviously he not being able to walk. And then I would just really quickly be like, oh, but I've always said I prefer arms and chest being built than legs. So, and it was just really <laughs> silly, silly, silly things. And, that, and then I would be like, now you're going to have a massive chest. This is great. Mm. And it was like, I, just everything. I came up with like some silly reason that it was meant to be like this and I can handle it and it's fine. What was it like when you would come home f- from being with him and you're back in your apartment without him? What would you do? I I hated it. So uh, it took me a month um, before I went back to the apartment. Um, really? At all? you were staying in the hospital, right? Yeah. So I used to ask other people to go and get me my things because I didn't want to come back by myself. Because it was too painful um, to think about life before? Yeah. It was just like, we just moved in. We had everything, like... Our relationship was good. We just got married. We just bought our first house. Like everything just felt good. Like we were just in such a good place. And then suddenly it was like everything was taken away. And it's now I look at it's not everything that's been taken away. But in that moment, it felt like it. And I didn't want to come back to the flat and look because at, at that point in time as well, like bearing in mind, he couldn't even, you know, sit up or move from his wheelchair into a different seat so I would go at the idea of coming home and being like oh we'll have to get a new bed and we'll have to get a new table we'll have to do that like I, I couldn't I didn't understand the changes that would need to be made and I didn't want to go and sit in the house alone and think about them Hiroki when you were in the in the middle of rehab and you're you're trying to learn how to do what you can with your body. I mean, it, I imagine it was both physically exhausting and mentally exhausting. How much were you able to think about your relationship and, and trying to take care of Rachel? Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that... That was hard. I mean, it's hard still now, to be honest. Um, so then it was like I didn't have the capacity to to think about anything other than, like... How am I gonna make this transfer work, or how am I gonna, um, you know, how am I gonna be able to sit upright in this way, or how am I gonna be able to reach for something like such basic things? Um, but even now, you you know, the, the way that the way that I used to be able to care for Rachel, the way that I now need to be able to, can care for Rachel, they're, they're very, it's very different, right? Like, I feel, I guess, like I feel confused by it. Why confused? because because like so much it doesn't make sense anymore right it's like you know if i if i wanted to treat rachel before i'd maybe i'd go out and like cook a nice meal or i'd you know go and fetch something or I'd... we used to joke he was the fetcher so like <laughs> if i was like oh do you fancy a glass of wine and he'd be like 
I'll go and fetch it. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so no, this was, yeah. And so it, it's, it's the roles that we played previously have changed, yeah. but they're slowly get, they're slowly, like this is so early that they're slowly changing. Like already every morning now, Hoki gets up and makes me a cup of coffee and brings it to me in bed. And so I can already feel like he's doing these things that are the old role. When did you bring that cup of coffee? When was the first time you were able to do that? Mm. When was that? I, I, remember, I mean, uh, you still struggle a bit now. Yeah, yeah, I do. But, <laughs> but I, I remember Rachel sort of having a freak out one one evening oh and being like, "Oh, you're never going to be able to bring me coffee again." <laughs> and so that that was what that. So the next day, I was determined I was going to do that. It was once he'd mastered wheeling with one hand. Yeah, exactly. I still haven't mastered it. <laughs> yeah, there's often coffee drips all over the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Hiroki moved back into their apartment just before Christmas, three months after the accident. Coming up, where Hiroki is in his recovery now, and why he's back at work, but Rachel isn't. I help most mornings with kind of the toilet and the shower. Um, So one of the big things at the moment is um, Hiroki's not able to use the bathroom um, independently. And so um, that's the thing that we really need to change, because at the moment it just requires... Um, it's probably the only the only area of your life that you haven't got your independence back. Um, so once once the bathroom's done, then yeah, then we'll be good to go. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Mm. In the last episode, we asked you to tell us about your student loan debt, and a lot of you have shared your stories. You've told us about how much you owe. I owe $134,000. That's correct. One, three, four, zero, zero, zero. And the impact that number has had on you. It affects absolutely everything in our lives uh, in terms of our, our finances, you know. And, of course, finances are connected with, you know, your sense of well-being and security in this world, too. We're still collecting your student loan stories for an upcoming episode. We especially want to hear how your student loans have driven other major life decisions, like where you live, what kind of job you do, whether and when you'll have kids. Record a voice memo or write an email and send it to us at deathsexmoney@wnyc.org. Our email inbox is where many of our stories come from, including this episode with Rachel and Hiroki. Rachel first emailed us just six weeks after Hiroki's accident. I want to understand if this isolated feeling is normal, she wrote. I guess we are right in the beginning of our journey, but I so badly want to hear about other couples who have been through this. So next week, we've got another story about living with disabilities. Two parents who've relied on wheelchairs their whole lives, who are now raising a five-year-old daughter. This society in the state, or however you want to say it, looks at us like they they can't care for themselves so how could they care for another child i mean that's how people on the street even say it to our faces we had to change the ideals of some of our family members even that this was going to be an okay thing With what seems like an endless amount of information at our fingertips, we tend to forget that wondering about things is really part of the journey to finding answers we're looking for. So when it comes to the hot topics of Israel, Judaism, and Zionism, there's so much to wonder about right now that it's hard to know where to turn. Enter the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked. 
Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Biton and Noam Weissman as they tackle these topics and the uncomfortable questions that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. So check it out. Subscribe to Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wondering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Before Hiroki's accident, both he and Rachel had started companies in London's tech scene. Rachel's company was just getting going. It was a site for ordering home-cooked food. Hiroki's company was more established. It's a finance startup called Go Cardless. Hiroki is the CEO. I mean, one of my common things that I always used to say was, Haruki, you're having an affair with your company. Um, (laughs) Because sometimes that's what it felt like. After his accident, Haruki was on medical leave. Most of his hospital expenses were covered by the National Health Service in the UK and some private insurance. So money hasn't been a major stressor. When we talked, Haruki was still going to rehab regularly, but working two days a week. You know, I'm lucky enough that my job doesn't involve any kind of physical exertion, really. And so I'm able to go back and when I'm in there and in that moment, there's no real difference between me now and me before. And Rachel, you're not working now? Um, No. So uh, I was going through an investment round with my company um, that I was kicking off the week the accident happened. Um, So in an already challenging environment, um, we didn't raise the money that we needed to in time. And so I shut down the business in December, just as Ricky came out of hospital. So I've not been working since then, which I think is the first time in my life I've ever had this. I feel a little bit lost, actually, like, uh, I guess, losing a little bit of my sense of identity. Um, I've kind of always liked working hard. Before the accident, was one of you kind of the optimistic one and one of you was the worrier and or like how have your emotional roles in your relationship shifted we uh used to we like refer to each other as um I'm very fiery and um Hiroki's like a rock and it, it's interesting because I say to Hiroki um one of the things for me that's been positive about this I don't, I don't know if this sounds right but is for the first time in our relationship, I felt like he needed me. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I've always been so insecure about being on the sidelines. And suddenly I was actually needed. Um, and so realizing that and knowing that like we both are on the same level of the dependence that we have on each other, um, I think has made things feel a little bit more equal emotionally. I feel like, yeah, I mean, because I, I, I kind of feel like we've become, it's like we've gotten closer in terms of temperament, right? Mm. Like, like, I used to be, like Rachel said, like, really sort of stoic almost. Emotionless. Yeah, emotionless. <laughs> and like, I definitely feel like I'm more, a bit more emotional now than I used to be. I, w- I probably wouldn't say I'm fiery, but, you know, <laughs> you know it's That's sort of true. like I'm like a warm rock rather than like a, a, a stone-cold rock. Now. But, yeah. um, and, and you're probably, you know, Rachel's, Rachel's now a bit more 
um a bit more stable and, yeah and, uh, i mean i mean me making me sound like i'm men- i was mentally unstable before but <laughs> <laughs> it's more just like i was extremely emotional um and i i just contain my emotions a little bit more now have you had a fight since the accident oh loads or yeah i'm oh, sure <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. yeah we've had a few um the one i remember was when i was with, like throwing throwing a tantrum and like throwing myself on the floor and screaming a little bit and uh, Hiroki was at that moment in the bathroom on the toilet, so couldn't get off it to see what was going on. And he <laughs> You're was doing just this like... great performance and he couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see it. But the key thing was he could hear it. Yeah. Um... <laughs> that was incredibly frustrating. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we've, had, we've definitely had those moments. Um, although what, what, what was that fight about? I would have expected. Do you remember? Um, yeah, I do remember. It was... Um, just after it was January, um, and I felt quite housebound. I was almost felt like I was a little bit being held hostage. Like Hiroki would often get upset if I was going to go out late with my friends, which I understand because of the vulnerability of what he's gone through. But I felt like I was trapped, and I I wanted to be there because I was choosing to be, which I which I have all, the whole time. Um, Instead, I I felt like he was forcing me to be there. And then he just wasn't saying the right thing to make me feel better. And then obviously, he always used to come and he, in the past, if I've been in that, that moment, um, he would come over and put his arms around me and hold me tight until I like was totally fine. And then it was like, and you can't, I was like, you can't even do that anymore. And so I just totally lost it. Um... And then I calmed down a bit and I could hear him quite upset. And I think I just went back in and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, we, I think we like, I mean, it's a bit weird because you're on the toilet, but I think I pretty much got on your knee and we hugged. Yeah. I mean, like for me, like, I think that's something that I've definitely noticed though, is like when we do have sort of arguments or fights, the, the way that we're able to deal with them is kind of, it's like we have to resolve them in different ways. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm trying to, I'm just thinking back to like, uh, and it wasn't even a fight. It was like one of one time Rachel came home like really drunk, right? <laughs> All and, right. Like, oh my god! <laughs> and, uh, no, which is understandable, right? Like I've definitely had my fair share of booze to sort of uh, dull dull the senses at times. <laughs> but the uh, um, yeah, Rachel came back drunk, and then you know, like in the past, I'd just be able to like pick her up, put her to bed, and the, now it was like I'd have to kind of like wheel over to her when she was sort of on the floor and I, I can't do I can't go and lift pick her up anymore and it's it's kind of I guess sort of still getting used to it all Hiroki do you still f- feel afraid sometimes that she's gonna leave yeah definitely I mean that I think that you know it's one of those things where I don't think there's anything Rachel can do to make that fear go away not I think hopefully with time it will change but you know, it's sort of, um, you, I, I feel like I don't know how to value myself as a person. So how, how does someone else value me? You know, that, and it's not to say that I think that I don't have any value anymore, but you're kind of readjusting all of your expectations, readjusting to what you can and can't do. Um, and so, as you go through that you're I think it's sort of it's hard not to 
to have that fear at times. How has physical intimacy between you changed since the accident? Yeah, quite a lot. (laughs) It's different. Like, we need to understand physically what it is. Like, Ricky's still getting back so much strength in his upper body and his, like, his mobility is changing all the time. So we don't know what the limits of it are. I feel like we were scared that we'd never even be able to have a standing hug again but when Haruki's on his standing frame like I climb in and kind of climb on top of him and I guess we've developed more just a a different type of physical relationship Mm. um I don't know I think the the scariest thing is when we think of kids and whether we'll be be able to have them or not and we don't know at the moment what the deal is with that so that's something that we need to kind of go and see the doctors about and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Was that yeah. was that something you had talked about when you got married, having children? Um, yeah, Haruki had always said he wanted loads and I'd always said I only want two. In fact, I've never really been that maternal, to be honest, um, as a person. And it was only after this accident that I kind of realized that I do have that in me. Like suddenly I wanted to look after Haruki more than anything else. Like I've learned... I think a lot of skills that mums might need, like dressing people and cleaning up after people. Um, I mean, we do want kids. So, I mean, it's probably the biggest fear we both have right now. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all going, going back to your point about the question about sort of intimacy, though, it's like, it's definitely one of the sort of, I guess it is it's one of many things that you you kind of having to like reassess and re, what it means, you know, um, and that's definitely been like one of the things that I've struggled with is figuring out what it all, figuring making sense of it all. I guess. Yeah, well, I ma- it's imagine that's very connected to feeling, you know, masculinity, obviously, and figuring out yeah, exactly how that works with sex. Is there mm. is there part of it, and I don't, I might be off off base here, so tell me if I'm wrong. But is I imagine after being together for eleven years and you have certain routines and in what intimacy and what sex looks like because you know each other so well, and then having yeah. the accident happen, was there anything that felt kind of like exciting about the rediscovery or the or having to be so much more present in terms of what? how to make each other feel good I, I mean I think if in honesty like I don't think we've got to that stage yet um I'm hoping that we'll get to that stage um but we're still in this stage of sort of shock of uh, when it comes to that regard I think I don't know how do you feel about it Rach um that's how I feel anyway yeah no, I know I know you know I like I think I did have a like it was just when the accident happened, it's like, oh, you'll never walk again. And it, you don't, it takes a while to register that it, it's not just that, right? It's, I mean, I don't even have to deal, you know, I, I'm talking on Hurricane's behalf again, but it's so much more like n- when stuff doesn't work from your waist down, it's not just not walking. So I do think about it a lot. And I remember 
I remember researching things and like some of my girlfriends would send me like pictures of these like weird contraptions that you can use if you're probably I don't know they were just like you know you'll be fine guys um and I guess like I I I didn't think I was excited by it but I thought oh you know what it was a bit stale so maybe we can (laughs) maybe this is like you know spicing it up a bit um but I and it's probably the hardest thing to deal with as a relationship um and I think that's why we need like the the emotional connection that we have is so much deeper than it ever has been before. Mm. Is is part of the complication of mourning what you lost? Like, Hiroki s- survived. He's mm. here. Yeah, but I think the thing is that, like, you can only... It's all relative, right? So it's like, it's it's hard to it's hard to imagine a loss that you haven't had. But it's very easy to mourn or or miss the legs that you did right um you know half my body it's like here i can see it i can touch it but i can't feel it and i can't move it and if you just cut it off then it wouldn't make much difference like that that's that's such sort of sort of such a weird set of emotions to try and understand and like and comprehend and and i definitely feel like i've i've lost something so it is it's very bittersweet it's, it's sort of both survival and loss mixed into one that's hiroki takeuchi and rachel swedenbank speaking to me from their london apartment since we talked hiroki and rachel have taken their first big trip together since the accident Dubai and Oman. You can see all their pictures from that and some from Hiroki's rehab on Rachel's Instagram. The handle is hero underscore my hero underscore. That's H-I-R-O underscore my H-E-R-O underscore. They also just completed work on their bathroom this week to make it accessible and Hiroki is now able to use it on his own. Rachel has some interviews lined up for freelance work. Their appointment with a fertility specialist is coming up in May. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the Center for Investigative Reporting in Emeryville, California. The team includes Katie Bishop, Emily Botin, and Andrew Dunn. Our intern is Adriana Rush. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money. And send us your stories about student loans and how they've affected your life. Our email address is deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. You can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter at deathsexmoney.org slash newsletter. I started my interview with Rachel and Hiroki a little late because Hiroki wasn't at the apartment when we were scheduled to start. He'd been shopping for a new car and a salesman got his wheelchair stuck in the trunk. But Rachel said punctuality has never been one of her husband's strong suits. Ricky, how many things have you had today? And were you on time for any of them? I was on time for the first. No, actually, I was late for that. But <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's gone up by a magnitude of like... But I have an excuse now. Yeah, I know, this is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on it. Yeah. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex and Money from WNYC. WNYC.